message you're about listening to is from Pastor E.A. Adeboe, the General Overseer of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It guarantees that by your grace our tomorrow will be all right. Please accept our thanks in Jesus' name. Lord, even as your children gather together again to worship you, we pray that you will send forth your word, Amen. and your word will bring us healings Amen. and bring deliverance to the oppressed. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Wow. Think you want to wave at one or two people near you and say, uh, good day, God bless you. And then you may please be seated. As we continue with our series and we go on to going higher, part 71. Going higher, part 71. And we will be looking at First Kings chapter 20. First Kings chapter 20. We'll be reading from verse 26 to 1st Kings chapter 20 from verse 26 to 29. And it came to pass at the return of the year that Ben-Hadad numbered the Syrians and went up to Hafek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were numbered and were all present and went against them. And the children of Israel pitched before them like two little flocks of kids. But the Syrians filled the country. And there came a man of God and spake unto the king of Israel and said, Thus saith the Lord, because the Syrians have said, The Lord is God of the hills but is not God of the valleys. Therefore will I deliver all this great multitude into thy hand, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And they pitched one over against the other seven days. And so it was that in the seventh day the battle was joined, and the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. First King chapter 20 is an extremely beautiful piece of scripture. Yes, the name of Elijah is not mentioned here. But we can't just allow this particular chapter go untouched. The story tells us about 
war between the king of Syria and the king of Israel. They fought the year before, and the children of Israel defeated the children of Syria. And then the advisors of the king of Israel of uh, Syria said to him, Sir, the reason we lost the battle is because we fought these people on a mountain top. Their God or their gods are gods of the mountain and not gods of the valley. So next time we fight them, let's fight them in the valley. We will defeat them then. And God had them and sent a man of God, one of those uh, 7,000 that God has preserved, to go and tell the king of Israel. These people said, I'm a God of the hills, I'm not God of the valley. I will show them. We will fight them in the valley and I will hand over their entire army to you. The Bible describes for us graphically the kind of opposition that came against the king of Israel. It said when the entire Israel army was gathered together, they were like two little flocks of sheep. But the Syrians filled the land. And yet, when the battle was joined, the children of Israel slew of the Syrians a hundred thousand footmen in one day. So what we want to discuss briefly today is that our God is the God of the hills as well as the God of the valley. We know already that God is constant. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Malachi 3, verse 6. I am the Lord. I change not. That's what the Almighty God said. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Says Jesus Christ is same. Yesterday, today, and forever. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. It says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. The one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come, the Almighty. We know that the past, the present, the future, they all meet in our God. We know he does not change. We know that whatever he had done before, he can do it again. For example, we know that he can make a way where there's no way. 
Because in Exodus chapter 14, from verse 21 to 28, Exodus 14, 21 to 28, he made the way in the Red Sea. Where there had been no way before, he made the way. And then when we got to Joshua chapter 3, from verse 15 to 17, Joshua 3, 15 to 17, he made a way in River Jordan, clave River Jordan into two. And he repeated the same feat again in Second Kings chapter 2, from verse 6 to 8. Second Kings 2, 6 to 8. Again, he opened the Jordan for Elijah and Elisha to pass through. And the same day, he repeated the same miracle in 2 Kings chapter 2, from verse 13 to 14. 2 Kings 2, 13 to 14. This time, he opened the Jordan to Elisha alone, because Elijah had then been taken up to heaven. We know that God is constant, time-wise. That whatever he had done before, he can do again. And I'm praying for every one of you trusting God for an opening. God will make a way for you today. In 2 Kings chapter 4, from verse 42 to 44, 2 Kings chapter 4, from verse 42 to 44, the Bible tells us that somebody brought a little bit of food to Elisha. And he told his servant to present the food to his people so they could eat. And the servant said to him, Sir, this little food for a hundred people? And the man of God said, Give it to them. They will eat, they will be full, and they will be left over. And that was exactly what happened. That was in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, in John chapter 6, from verse 5 to 13, John 6, 5 to 13, we found that with five loaves of bread and two fishes, the same almighty God repeated that miracle. He multiplied the bread, multiplied the uh, fish, thousands ate, and the sea had 12 baskets left over. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He can turn something little to something big. He can provide miraculously. He's done it before. He can do it again. And for those of you who are facing scarcity right now, I'm decreeing the mighty name of Jesus Christ that your little will soon become more than enough. 
But more importantly, is that it's not only constant in time, it's constant in space. It's constant on the mountain top, it's constant in the valley. The same God on the mountain top is the same God in the valley below. So it doesn't matter where you are, God is constant. In Genesis 39, from verse 1 to 6, Genesis 39, 1 to 6, the Bible tells us that in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar was a great man, a great officer of Pharaoh. So I can, I can imagine that his house was a mansion. God was there with Joseph. When Joseph was prospering and he was heading the uh, entire establishment of Potiphar, it was God. When Joseph landed in prison, Genesis 39, from verse 21 to 23, Genesis 39, 21 to 23, in prison, God was still, still with Joseph. Is the God on the hill when everything is going fine? Is God in the valley when things are not so beautiful? On Mount Carmel, in 1 Kings chapter 18, from verse 36 to 46, 1 Kings 18, from verse 36 to 46, God was God. When Elijah prayed and fire fell, when he prayed and rain fell, when he ran a race and he outran the chariot of the king, it was God. When he got to the valley below in Jezreel, in 1 Kings chapter 19, from verse 1 to 8, 1 Kings 19, from verse 1 to 8, God was still God. When the enemy was roaring, saying, by tomorrow you'll be dead. When Elijah was so low, he was considering suicide. God was still there, ready to feed him, ready to encourage him, ready to get him going again. It doesn't matter where you are now. Are you on the mountain top? Are you praying and God is answering by fire? Are you getting results just as soon as you make the request? Don't forget, if you ever find yourself in a low situation when it doesn't appear as if God is near, when the enemy seems to be the one who is calling the shots, just remember, the God on the mountain 
is the God in the valley. In Matthew chapter 17 from verse 1 to 9, Matthew 17 from verse 1 to 9, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when the Almighty was transformed before Peter, James, and John, and his glory was dazzling. Everything was so beautiful that Peter said, oh, I wish we'd just stay here. It was God. When they got down to the valley below, in the same Matthew 17, from verse 14 to 18, Matthew 17, from verse 14 to 18, and they found that the other disciples left behind were struggling with a demon, trying to cast him out, and nothing was happening. God still showed up. Many a times when we come to a convention or a congress, and everybody's around and miracles are happening and we are hearing beautiful testimonies. Oh, we feel high. When the convention is over or the Congress is gone and we're back home, occasionally we find ourselves facing some problems. And we begin to wonder, is the God on the mountain still the God in the valley? I believe God is asking me to assure you today the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. I want you to know that wherever you are, when the glory is shining, and everything is beautiful. And you are shouting hallelujah. And you are praising God. If at any time you find yourself in a situation completely different from the one you knew before, just remember God is still there. The God of the mountain is the God of the valley. The influence of the Most High God links the hilltop and the valley below. It controls every situation. It's everywhere at all times. In Exodus 17, from verse 8 to 13, Exodus 17, 8 to 13, you know the story very well. When the Amalekites came, to attack the children of Israel. And Moses went to the mountain top, took Aaron and Hall with him. And Joshua was in the valley below, fighting. You know the story. As long as Moses was raising his hand to the God of the heavens, victory was being wrought downstairs. When you have a battle to fight, when it looks as if you, you, you don't even know how you can ever overcome. It would be a good idea to go to the hilltop and cry to the God of the hills. He will give you resource. 
in the valley below. The Bible tells us that he is seated in the heavens and from there is controlling the earth. Isaiah 66 verse 1, Isaiah 66 verse 1 says, Heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. That tells you that the God we are serving is so big that while he may be seated in heaven, his legs are firmly planted on the earth. From where he is in heaven, he's controlling whatever is going on here on earth. Remember Philippians chapter 2, from verse 9 to 11. Philippians 2, 9 to 11, assures us that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow. Not only in heaven, but right here on earth. Oh yes, Jesus is seated in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians chapter 1, from verse 17 to 23. Ephesians 1, 17 to 23. He is seated in the heavens, but he's controlling what's going on here. As a matter of fact, when he says at his name, all knees will bow, it's not so much about those that are in heaven. Nobody disobeys him in heaven. The devil has been driven out. What he's trying to get you to understand is that every knee here on earth must bow to the one who is seated in the heavenly places. And that his influence is all-compassing from heaven to the earth, even to underneath the earth. As you are growing higher in the Lord, you need to get one thing absolutely clear. Between every hill, there's usually a valley. And to go from one hill, from one hilltop to another, you may need to pass through a valley. Elijah was on Mount Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. And then in 1 Kings chapter 19, that we read from verse 1 to 8, he was in Jezreel in the valley below. But by the time you read 1 Kings chapter 18, sorry, 1 Kings chapter 19 from verse 8 to 18, 1 Kings chapter 19 from verse 8 to 18, it was again on another mountain, the mountain of Horeb, called the mountain of God. On Mount Carmel, it was there to demonstrate the power of God. In Israel, he came face to face with the representative of the devil. But by the end of the story, he was on Mount Horeb, the very mountain of God himself. You must note that, that as you pass through this journey on your way to heaven, there will be times on the mountain there could be times in the valley, 
But the same God who was with you on that mountain will be with you in the valley and then take you to even a higher mountain still. You know very well that in Matthew chapter 16 from verse 13 to 19, Matthew 16 from verse 13 to 19, Jesus Christ said to Peter when he made a great statement, he said, ah, you are blessed. Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you. You, you, you. you are well done. You are in contact with God. But then you know very well, it wasn't too long after that, that Peter had to go out and weep bitterly when he found himself in a great valley. Matthew chapter 26, from verse 69 to 75. But it wasn't too long after that, that Peter was preaching a single sermon that won 3,000 souls on the day of Pentecost. I'm here to encourage you today, wherever you are, God is there. If you are going through a night season, just remember, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The God of the mountain is also the God of the valley. Before we pray, if you don't have God by your side, whether you are on the mountain or you are in the valley, you are on your own. And it can be a very terrible thing to be on your own, particularly when you feel you are on the mountain top, when you think you are big, you are in charge, you are rich, you are in control of every situation because after the mountain, the valley will come. And if God is not on your side on the mountain, he won't be on your side in the valley. That's why you must surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That's why you must invite him into your life. So that whether mountain or valley, you will have a companion. So if you would love to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, I would love to pray with you now. If you will bow your head and call on him and say, please come into my life. From now on, whether on the mountain top or in the valley below, I want to be sure that you are with me. If you want to pray that prayer, calling on him for salvation, please bow your head wherever you may be and I will pray with you for the salvation of your soul. Please do so now. Call on him and say, Lord, please come into my life. Take over from now so that for the rest of my life, I will have the assurance that you are with me. Call on him now. And I will pray with you at this moment. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen.
My Father, my God, I want to thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for all the people who have decided that they want to now in their lives, that they, they are surrendering completely to you. Father, please receive them. Save their souls. Let your blood wash away their sins. Receive them into the family of God. And please, Father, be with them for the rest of their lives. So that whether they are on the mountain top or in the valley, you will always be there. Thank you, my Father and my God. And I'm praying for your children. Those who are rejoicing now, please let them know that if anything should go wrong, you are still there for them. And if they are in trouble right now, my Father and my God, please show up too so you can move them to even a higher mountain. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Please join us on this same station at this time for another wonderful experience as Pastor E.A. Adeboye exposes the deep mysteries in the Word of God.